Welcome to The Laws of Style, featuring conversations on creativity, fashion, and the law from the leading edge of our economy and culture. Hosted by noted fashion lawyer, Douglas Hand. Hello, and welcome to The Laws of Style. I hosted a menswear panel this month of true alpha males of style, and this episode is a re-recording of that live broadcast done on behalf of Fashion Group International and Madison Avenue Business Improvement District. Listen in. Um, I would like to thank so much our panel, uh, Eric Jennings, Nick Wooster, Musa Jackson, who is a Fashion Group board member. And I'd love to introduce our moderator, who is also a member of our Fashion Group Board of Directors, Douglas Hand, is one of the preeminent fashion lawyers. He is a menswear authority. He is an author of two books, and he has an amazing podcast called The Laws of Style. So I can't wait for this amazing talk. Douglas, I turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for joining this morning. Uh, really looking forward to getting uh, some great content out there. Uh, I'm going to introduce each of my panelists briefly. Uh, and by briefly, I mean really briefly, because uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover here. So Musa Jackson is, as Marianne indicated, a fellow FGI board member. He is also the Harlem ambassador and the CEO and editor-in-chief of Ambassador Digital Magazine. Eric Jennings, who is joining us from Lake Como, Italy, uh, is a, notwithstanding his uh, Italian location, he's a New York City-based fashion industry leader and creative director. He most recently served as a creative director at Peerless Clothing, which you may know is the largest producer of tailored clothing in North America. Prior to that, he was the head of men's uh, and menswear as fashion director at Saks Fifth Avenue. And Nick Wooster, labeled by many the alpha male of American street style. Uh, he has a resume that honestly reads like a roll call of top American fashion brands and stores spanning over 30 years. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining. And let's get right into it. The suit, okay? Um, the prognostications of the death of the suit have been with us ever since I first wore a suit and went to pick up my first suit with my father. Um, I think that, that, that those siren calls have only gotten louder during the pandemic when many of us are working remotely. Um, and so I throw the question out to all of you, but Musa, let's start with you. Um, is the suit dead? Um, well, I don't, I'm wearing a, a great suit jacket right now. So the answer is, I don't think so. I think, you know, like you said, we were all sort of in this, um, you know, what is it like? Uh, we've been a pandemic, but we've been inside. And so when you're inside, you kind of decide on things that you don't want to do all the time. And sometimes wearing a suit can just sort of, you know, can have that little bit of a restrictive quality. Um, you know, I tend to like jackets and, and suits just because I think it's just a nice look regardless um, um, whether, you know, whatever the season, it's just, it's just a great look, a jacket, uh, a great jacket and, um, you know, trousers just kind of make a man look kind of just, um, just gives them that presence 
So I don't think that'll ever, ever, ever go out of style. There might be different shapes. Obviously, we always can play around with different, um, you know, lapel shaped, you know, uh, boxier jackets are back, um, you know, uh, from different eras. But, you know, the actual suit to me is, gonna, is alive and well. And if you walk around Harlem, um, on any given Sunday, <laughs> you're going to see plenty of men in suits. Um, and most of those men, like myself, um, have a long history from their dads to their grandfathers um, who have, um, you know, had their own style, always bring your own, your own A-game um, when you're, you know, walking through the streets of Harlem. So, um, you know, like I said, the, the suit, you know, listen, we're, we're outside now, right? And I'm grateful for that. I think we're all grateful. Um, by the way, thank you so much for having me um, on this panel um, of, of uh, Fashion Group International. I'm proud to be a member as well as a Madison Avenue bid. And I just want to say, you know, it's just uh, the time to, I think, pull out your suit and rock it. That's how we say it in Harlem, you rock it. <laughs> well, we are neighbors up there, and I can attest to that uh, that Sunday sighting is, is not infrequent. Eric, so from your time at Peerless, I'm sure undoubtedly you have both a business perspective on this as well as a personal perspective. Is the suit dead? I am going to say this. The business suit is dead, but I think the suit as fashion item is alive and well. I just think, you know, that idea of having that uniform Monday through Friday being the suit, that I don't think that is alive and well. I think it's on its last leg. Uh, we will see what happens. I think the, the, the pandemic really changed the need for a business suit. But on the other hand, suits as that great fashion piece for those special occasions for going to church or going on a, down a red carpet or when you're giving an important presentation and you've got to show, you know, you've got to look your best, by all means, the suit is the most important thing that you can have in your closet. Just not for, just not for that uniform to go to work Monday through Friday. Excellent. And Nick, you have been shot in suits. You've been shot in uh, Jodhpur pants. Is the suit dead? I believe the jacket is probably the single most important piece of, of utility clothing that a man can own. If you think about it, we don't need to carry books and papers any longer. Everything goes in your phone. A jacket solves both problems. You have pockets. To me, the jacket is the most important thing. And it's also the great equalizer. Everybody looks great in a jacket. And so, you know, if I if I were to say what's the single most important thing a man can own, it would be a well-tailored jacket. Well, that's that's a great point. Um, Musa, let me kick it to you with do you believe, I mean, the suit really came from a Bo Brummel type. Um, it's not about the garment, it's about the wearer. And that, uh, you know, understatement is the statement. Um, with Eric's comment that the suit is now more for occasion, do you think tailored clothing is moving away from that, that understatement and sort of framing the wearer into the garment is becoming the focal point? Or do you think that the suit will always be that perfect frame um, and really enhance the wearer but not scream out loud? Um, listen, I come from a place where, you know, and, and you know, 
Douglas, where the, the, the man or the person wearing the garment is always essential. So I wasn't raised like that. I was raised where, you know, the look should never own you. You should always own your own style and your look. So whether you're deciding that it should be tapered, whether you're deciding it should be a little bit more loose, right? It's always going to be personal. And that can change. I mean, listen, I, you know, like um, the rest of the panel have been through many different decades. And so my style choice might change. You know what I might, I might some days wake up and think, you know, today I want to look a little bit like my dad because he was a great dresser um, from the forties, right? And forties, men in the forties and the fifties, they were impeccable. Um, and then some days I just want a little bit of, want to be a little bit more boxy and just free flowing. And I want to wear with a t-shirt, um, you know, and, and not so, you know, confined. So I think it really, once again, it just comes down for me, it just comes down always to the person who, and never let the garment wear you always kind of own your look because you don't want to show up to a place and look like you're wearing a costume. Yeah. Yeah. Eric. When you were at Saks, uh, I recall you published a really great short form newsletter on getting business casual right. And this was back when, uh, you know, we were kind of morphing from casual Friday to potentially casual all week at a lot of the major banks, major law firms. Why do you think men in general have such a difficult time with business casual? Because it requires more thought and more elements. You know, the suit is just an easy thing to wear. You throw a suit uh, shirt on underneath it and you don't have to give it too much thought. The um, challenge with the business casual is that you've got to combine all these different elements, colors, fits, textures, and it becomes a little bit more challenging. I think it's interesting that because you and I have talked about this, we called it the new office casual, and it's been six years since we since we launched that initiative at Saks, and we launched it because the Wall Street Journal had come out with an article because J.P. Morgan Chase, Price Waterhouse, Coopers, and a bunch of these giant financial institutions had sent out directives that they were no longer required to wear suits, uh, that they were relaxing the dress code. And it freaked a lot of people out. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, the headlines were screaming about the death of the suit. So when I just, I, I Googled how many employees worked for all these giant financial institutions, you know, and I came up with several million employees. And I'm like, and I went into our general merchandise, general uh, merchandise manager's office. And I said, here's an opportunity for us to, um, to educate our customers on how they can dress relevant for the new workplace and sell things other than suits that they don't have in their closet. And it was important for many millions of people six years ago. Now, today, it's important for literally every person living in this country because no one has to wear the suit Monday through Friday. And they do struggle with how do I look professional on a Zoom call? How do I look professional when I'm doing business on a train, um, at a cafe, at, a, at the Soho house or, or whatever, wherever they find themselves doing business. And the education is still such an important part because a lot of guys still don't get it right. 
when we launched the initiative at SACS, I was actually able to change the dress code for every employee at SACS for, for all the guys from having to wear suits to sport coats to allowing them to dress more casual. And even though I created the seven point foolproof guide, when it came time to for the associates to actually come into the stores and dress that way, it was a little shocking to us all how bad some of them got it. So we actually had to regroup and um, uh, and do even more training and more education about it. So and these you know these are professional professionals who who sell high end luxury clothing, and still it was it was a tough for us to make sure that they got it right. And then now I go into the store and they're even more casual than I anticipated, at, but, um, but they're doing a pretty good job of it. But it's taken years of, of education to get professionals to, to be able to do it right. Yeah, that's sobering. Um, well, <laughs> Nick, uh, you have done a number of brand collaborations. I know you've dealt with lawyers and accountants and, and managers. In fact, you and I have worked together on a couple of those collaborations over the years. Um, is it fair to say that there is a certain respect that the professional shows to the client by dressing up in the suit and donning the tie? And do you agree that that perhaps maybe more so at early stages of one's career is, is kind of an important lesson for the service professional? I do. I mean, I think Tom Ford is, is you know, credited with this comment, but or quote, but I, you know, I do think I do agree that dressing is a form of manners. And I think that it shows, you know, respect for, you know, the person you're sitting with or talking with or showing up for when you take the time to actually think about what you're wearing. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the, the reason why people get it wrong is they always think that like an outfit is magically going to transform them into some other persona. And when the reality is, is, and I know this from, if I look back on many of the pictures that have shown up when I try to, when, when I sort of get dressed and sometimes make mistakes, you know, the, the reality is, is that everyone would be well served to, you know, when in doubt, choose Navy or, you know, go as classic as possible because the pictures that always look better over time are the ones where you sort of like don't try too hard and I think that you know business casual which was really in my opinion business casualty you know where the mistake was is that everybody assumed that casual meant beach or you know flip-flops and cutoffs and the reality is, is it's it is you know to Eric's point, it, it was such a daunting prospect. I mean, I started working in 1976 at the age of 16 in a clothing store, and from the from 1976 until 1993, every single day of my life, I wore a suit. And it was and in 1993 when I started work after I had left retail, you know, Bergdorf Goodman, I worked for Calvin Klein, and I was able to not wear a suit. And it was a huge wake-up call. Like even I, who had been doing this for a while, was kind of flummoxed as to what was okay, or would you be accept? Would you feel comfortable? And I think that that's the problem: is there are too many choices, and suits were so great at just cutting out that extra level of you know decision making. Yeah, yeah. Well, Musa. The suit with no tie. I um, 
This summer, there was a G7 picture of arguably the seven most powerful men on the planet. And they were all in either navy, black, or gray suits, and nary a tie in sight, right? Either a, a white or a blue dress shirt underneath. What do you think of this trend of, of really the conservative business suit without tie? Because I see it in the city, whether it's downtown of the financial district or you know the, the Madison Avenue corridor that we're talking about uh, often. Well, first off, I love to see I love to see men wearing ties. It's something about it when it's done right. And what I mean by that, where it's the right, just the right width, it's the with the paired with the right jacket. It just looks so, it looks just so amazing on men, right? But not all of us get it right. And sometimes it does look like a bit of like, like uh, you know, like Nick was saying, like a uniform. And I think most of us don't want to ever feel like that. So I think we definitely, there's a change that's happened and men no longer really need the tie. I think it's been very like, you know, something that we had to do when we put a suit on, it felt like, you know, if you didn't wear a tie within, you know, the whole thing, it wasn't like you came together and was had a total look. And I think now people have just sort of embraced after two years, specifically after the pandemic, that we've just embraced this whole idea of a little bit more comfort, a little bit more relaxed energy, right? Because um, we came out of that, you know, a lot of us are entrepreneurs as well. So, um, and I have to stress that. And so we're not showing up to offices. So there's this idea that we don't have to go, you know, full throttle and just put everything together, but having the essence um, with the jacket, a great crisp white shirt, you know, maybe a pocket square, depending upon a person and the look is complete. You know what I mean? From uh, specifically um, from the upper half. And so I think, you know, ties are optional now. Eric, what, what trends perhaps flow from that? So if the tie is optional, how can a person wearing the suit, uh, other than the pocket square, which is a great, is a great suggestion, what are some other elements that can judge it up and bring it to completion? Well, I will go back to uh, Musa's comment about the pocket square. When you Google the picture of the seven leaders at the G7 summit, they're all in dark suits. They're all in button down woven shirts. Most of them have like a little pin or something on their lapel, like a flag. But there was one leader out of all seven who did something different that was wearing a pocket square. You guys know which leader it was? Oh, oh quiz, quiz time. Quiz time, it was our President <laughs> Joe Biden. He was the only one that rocked the pocket square with the suit. So even, you know, I've always been, I always said like, if you're not gonna do a tie, put on a pocket square. Like, you know, it's like one or the other. Like if you're gonna eliminate the tie, put on a pocket square. And I, and I've, so I've always been a fan. I, you know, and I, now I just like a nice clean, clean pocket square, but, um, I would say in terms of styling the suit, I'm a huge fan of the knit polo, the long sleeve knit polo, the merino, um, maybe a, a small zip. I just, uh, the, the, the knit is what I love pairing under a suit now. And I think that's a way to look really modern and current, um, keeping it fresh. Musa, you're wearing a turtleneck, love that. But um, like the, the fine gauge merino polo long sleeve, I think is a great way to add a bit of color but also to look modern um, as opposed to just wearing, because a lot of times the woven button uh, button down shirt 
the collar can get flat and the you know the the placket can get a little skewed so i would much rather see men doing the the knit under the suit today and nick how about you what uh, uh, what does this afford you know the wearer in terms of of embellishment no i think you know eric hit everything i was going to talk about the turtleneck which for me is probably the most underrated kind of garment because it just makes everything look really clean and I think that the other tricky area with a woven shirt and an open collar is hair. <laughs> you know, like what's happening under there. And if you don't, if you, you know, when in doubt, use an air tie, which um, is just means that you button the top button, which I'm a big fan of that. I mean, it, it's kind of nerdy, but I also think it just keeps everything clean. But I was going to say that to really nerd out, I guess that shirt collars then become an important way to distinguish what kind of shirt you're wearing. You know, like a super spread with no tie, in my opinion, looks weird, especially if it's open. Um, but a point collar, you know, I'm a big fan of a tab collar shirt and wearing that buttoned up and, you know, snapped in place so that, you know, it sort of brings some sort of interest to the you know, to your neck, but without being too, you know, poncy or something. Um, but that's just me. Uh. <laughs> let's uh, let's pivot a little bit. Eric, I'll go back to you. Um, when I was coming up as a young lawyer, there were certain articles of menswear that sort of were charged with, with a bit of, you can't wear that until you are more of a silverback. You know, uh, they were kind of charged with legacy and entitlement. Here I'm talking about maybe the contrast collar dress shirt or uh, suspenders or the bow tie. Do you think that that still exists today um, or have certain brands been able to kind of riff on that a little bit and kind of have cheeky options that um, that younger wearers can pull off? Well, I, I think there's a sense of when you see younger people wearing, you know, the three-piece suit, the spread collar, the white, you know, cuff, there is a sense of irony to it. I think of like a Rocco Richie, Madonna's son, or Brooklyn Beckham, you know, when they're getting all dappered out. Um, so I do think that there's a sense of irony to it. But I look at CEOs today, and actually I just worked with a very high-powered CEO of a huge media company who needed a and sort of an uh, image redo. I won't call it a makeover, <laughs> but you know, this was high powered CEO now um, in the public eye and had a really tough time knowing how to wear. He's like, I don't wear suits. I don't wear suits. I wear jeans and I wear like untucked shirts. I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but it was, again, it was, a, it was an education on, on how, what, what does a, high-powered CEO wear today. And I think a lot of them look to Silicon Valley and, and the, the folks that have, um, you know, made gazillions of dollars wearing hoodies. And so now in their mind, they think, oh, that's what I should be doing in order to look cool and young and, and relevant. As a CEO, I should be wearing like a hoodie. Well, I don't think that's the case. I think there is a way of dressing. Again, it's going back to this idea of business casual. You don't have to go so extreme where you look like that three-piece suit, white-collared wearing guy with a you know, think of whiskey and a cigar in his hand, but there's a way of dressing, um, I think, somewhere in the middle there. And that's the that's the key. I think that's the crux of what, where this conversation keeps, we keep on going back to the same point. Um, so yeah, it's interesting time right now. Yeah. Musa, really same question, you know, th those elements of menswear that um, 
are charged with a little bit of legacy. H how do you work those into your own uh, wardrobe and, and, and what do you think of them? I mean, you know, uh, listen, uh, it's always good to reference for me, meaning that, you know, when in doubt <laughs> or you're feeling a little bit like, you know, I don't want to take the reins this morning, um, having those amazing references from the past and, you know, is always a, a center for me. And like I said, what's wonderful now is that you can really sort of pick the decade, you know, and, and look really sharp. So, you know, um, there's some wonderful things that are happening, um, you know, where I see people going back to the 70s. I can't go all the way back like I would like to, because when I look at those, I would love to look like Shaft. I would love to look like um, something like that, because that's always been like a fantasy for me is being the cool guy walking in the middle of the street, right? And just owning New York City. That's what Harlemites are. We want to just kind of take over a little. But then you got to pull it back and say what elements of those um, I can bring to my own wardrobe. So I just take pieces for myself. You know, I might be doing a looser trouser now. Um, you know, maybe some flair to the pant. Um, and like I said, and then just bringing, um, you know, taking a suit and making the suit a little bit more relaxed. Cause I was really, I'm a double-breasted guy and I'm a double-breasted guy with, you know, with the crisp white shirt. I've always fall back on that with the turtleneck. And that's kind of my signature look and it doesn't ever fail me. And um, I think Nick mentioned before about that, which I'm wearing, Nick, um, the, <laughs> the blue blazer and it's double-breasted by the way. It's a, a and it's also, um, um, it's, um, repurposed or um, uh, it's vintage, it's Christian Dior. So those elements, when you go back into the past, become very modern once you, um, you know, kind of just add yourself to it. And, you know, so I'm always looking to, to, to take notes from different eras. Well, let me, um, you guys aren't expecting this question and we're, but let's talk formal wear because that kind of, um, in a way, your preferred button stance and lapel width and all of it kind of comes to its apex in your tux. So Nick, if you know you had your druthers and no one was dressing you, what's your preferred jacket stance for a tuxedo? Well, a traditional tuxedo is a one button jacket um, as opposed to any day where is, you know, is two or three. But uh, a, a proper tuxedo is only a single button jacket. Um, it can be shawl, notch, or peak, lapeled, um, ideally shawl or peak uh, as being sort of the most correct type of thing. But, you know, but again, all of those things have gone out the window. The one thing that I absolutely detest more than anything in life is a regular necktie as formal wear. You know, for me, it's a button. I mean, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a bow tie or nothing. Like I, I would much rather see, you know, like a plain Nehru collared, you know, band collared shirt than a, you know, black or a navy silk, you know, tie that is what you would wear during the day. That's just me. Um, uh, that to me is way more offensive than the wrong button stance or if it's a two button 
uh, tuxedo. I mean, I do believe that a lot of those old rules have just gone out the window, but for me, or I'd rather see a turtleneck, frankly, with a dinner jacket than I would a, um, a long tie. Maybe someone else would disagree. You're tough, Eric. Nick. Eric. <laughs> That's tough, wow. Traditionalist. He's tough. I would say navy blue. <laughs> for me, it's navy blue. I love a navy blue tuxedo, like a really dark navy blue tuxedo with a black grosgrain lapel, one button peak. Mm. I agree. And I agree. Musa, Musa, let me bring it back to you because you're not in a tux. So no, I'm not in a tux, but I agree with him on this on the tie. I feel if it's a, if, if it's formal and you're going out that you're, you know, tie makes it just way too casual for me. I need that other element. And he's right, or not. The other thing that I hate, I'm sure Eric will disagree with this. The other thing that I hate is when men wear a black tuxedo or a navy tuxedo with a navy shirt and a navy tie or a oh, yeah. black shirt like i hate yeah. that <laughs> or when they don't wear patent leather shoes like if you're in a tuxedo whether it's a lace-up or a loafer it better be patent leather in my opinion unless it's a beach wedding <laughs> unless it's a beach wedding but if you're in a black tuxedo uh, a black tuxedo even at a beach i don't know like if you're in a tuxedo you, you better be wearing patent leather shoes black or patent velvet, leather shoes. Or velvet. Or velvet, or, yeah. Or velvet. I will do velvet. Love it. Love it. <laughs> let me get velvet. more. Let me get more banter going. Maybe on topics <laughs> that um, that some of our listeners may find challenging. So Nick, you know you and Eric, you brought up you know textures, and I think um, sometimes for a young dresser, the mixing and matching of textures and colors can be a challenge. Patterns as well. Um, you mentioned the, the, your hatred of the black on black on black tuxedo, and that's probably due to the fact that you just really can't see what's going on. You might as well be wearing a barber smock, you know. Um, so how does the how does the the dresser get these things right? And are there simple rules that you've used in your dressing to do so? So I'll start. Uh, why don't I start with you, Musa? You know, it's interesting when you know I, when we were young and doing things. We took, I, I think the beauty, guys, of being young is taking risks. So, you know, there were things that I did back, I mean, when I look at some of my old pictures in the 80s and as a teenager with the flat top and, you know, just the oversized things, they might look a little ridiculous now, but you know what, then I see younger people and they're doing something similar and I miss the freedom of just being able to wake up and they would, you know, I see young people putting, you know, mixing patterns that I would have never thought about, or, uh, you know, I cringe a little bit to think that I could even do that. But when they put it together, there's, and with the freedom, there's this level of, I mean, I think that's what the fashion, where fashion comes in, right? As opposed to style, where they're really more into just kind of like, you know what, we're going to throw caution to the wind and we're just going to have fun. And there's so many designers and new designers out there that they can really play with like hypothetically, um, you know, Romeo Hunt mixes patterns, mixes things. He's taken traditional um, silhouettes and, 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 and fabrics and combined them in ways that, you know, my brain is still trying to figure it out, but it looks incredible. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I look at that and say, well, you're young, you know, just, they're, 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 you're going to make plenty of mistakes and look back at it and laugh. And over time, you're going to figure out just who you are and what works for you. Eric, how about you? Any hard, fast rules on mixing and matching? 
Yeah, well, I'll go back to the example I just shared with when I was building this wardrobe for this for this CEO. I mean, I really had an unlimited budget and I went to a lot of the brands up on Madison Avenue and I wanted to kind of mix high and low, but I was really, I had just a, like two or three days to put together an entire wardrobe. And the key for me was, was building neutrals. So I would do like a whole Navy story. I would do like a gray story. I would do a beige story. I would use kind of a khaki sage green story. And I think when you, when you start with the neutrals, you can really mix and match those neutrals together, whether you did like a sage with a Navy or a gray with a, with a khaki, you know? And so we were able to have a lot of fun with texture and fits and weights after he had this great foundation of neutrals. And then we just popped in color just to make a statement, you know? So when it, when he did wear color, it really made a statement. So for me, it was kind of thinking about having, having a breadth of, of items within each of the neutral colors that I mentioned, and it worked out great. So I, when I put together like this style Bible, I was able to show him kind of how everything worked together, just using neutrals. And then when appropriate, putting in a pop of color. Yeah, that's very sound advice. Nick, how about you? So Eric sort of, you know, said exactly what I uh, was going to say. And, and one of the things with me about getting dressed is that I have all these rules and many of them seem like they would be in conflict. So before when I said I hated when a black shirt with a black tuxedo jacket and a black tie, I do think that the number one piece of advice to give any guy looking to build a business wardrobe is dress in one color. Like if you go head to toe in a color, you will look so much more put together. You know, the, the elements don't have to be expensive, but you will just look better. And I do agree a thousand percent that, you know, and my hierarchy of colors are navy, gray, military green, khaki, white. If you own those five colors, everything goes with it. So you would never, so color should not become this like confounding thing because basically, and of course, some colors go better together with others. Um, but I, you know, I feel like you are well served by, because there's, the, and, you know, and I'm also a big fan of solid. Like, I think people think that, ooh, I need a plaid, I need a stripe, I need all these different things. Sure, that can be true. And it can be a way to break things up. But until you have the perfect wardrobe of solids, you're never going to be really happy. And I, and I also think that's the opportunity too you can do it high and low. So, you know, there's nothing better than a Uniqlo cashmere sweater, in my opinion, because it really looks expensive and it doesn't break the bank. So regardless of where you are, you know, in the economic scale, there's no excuse to not look, you know, really smart and put together. And I think don't get hung up on checking boxes with respect to one color. And by that, I mean, if you buy a navy blazer and a navy suit, you're not done with navy. It's not like then move on to yellow. Like you can have a navy wool suit, a navy linen suit, and, and you should. I mean, you should really go deep on, on navy and gray and the other sort of basic colors that you gentlemen have mentioned before going to that, you know, maybe more exciting, but uh, perhaps a suit you're gonna wear much more infrequently uh, as, as a bit of a statement. So Nick, just staying with you, um, 
and you are a global traveler, as as all of our panelists are. But uh, but you're you're noted for for being in far flung locales. What three cities? And I'll take New York out. Okay, so you can't say New York. But what three cities globally um, do you feel men exhibit the most style? So I think that, you know, the, it's a tie, in my opinion, between Milan and Paris in terms of just overall guys look great. And they, they do look, they do tend to look different, but that, you know, sort of New York and, I'm sorry, uh, Paris and, and London, particularly London for business. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Milan. <laughs> Milan, Paris, and London are probably the European capitals where they look the best. I think that when it comes to casual, no one can beat LA, especially at the gym. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I moved here five months ago, and one of the things that I learned that was so interesting is that at, it seemed to me that in New York at, you know, Equinox or, or the training gym that I went to, everyone wore a kind of like Nike or a dry fit polyester kind of, you know, top to work out in. In LA at the gym I go to, everyone's in cotton, which to me is so much better and so much cooler and so much more stylish. So I got to get a plug in for LA, but I don't think in general, LA guys are the most stylish, just at the gym. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Musa, let me pivot to you as Harlem ambassador. All right. I want to ask you the same question, but neighborhoods, boroughs in NYC. Okay. I think we all kind of know where I'm going with this, where, we, where I'm starting with this. Um, so of course, Harlem, um, I think, you know, we just, um, first of all, we're very diverse. So I wanted to say that, um, very diverse community. So you definitely, what's really fun about it is you definitely see people who have like an old school approach to dressing, a mix with this like, you know, whatever goes. My second neighborhood is, Brooklyn. And, you know, I can't really define, I'm, I'm not, well, you know, most people would probably went to like a Park Slope or uh, Brooklyn Heights, but I think Brooklyn in general, um, I've been spending a lot of time in Brooklyn, um, you know, and I just love the freedom that they have with the way the relaxedness, it, it gives me um, a little LA-ish in a way because they're very relaxed in how they approach, um, you know, dressing. And it just, and it's so, and it's just, it's just got a lot of flavor for me. And then, you know, you want to pull it all together and bring it all and mix, you know, just definitely a European um, American sportswear sensibility. It's Madison Avenue. So, you know, the Madison one for Madison Avenue bid, they have an amazing, um, you know, just walking from 57 up to 80, 80th street or whatever, you just take in the people walking and especially the men, and they're always so pulled and together, it's sort of like, you know, goals. <laughs> so, um, so those are my three favorites. I like it. Uh, so, so Eric, slightly different question here. Um, traditionally, a lot of menswear has, has kind of categorized itself. This may be how it's marketed. Uh, this may be, you know, the, the design ethos, but, but labels like surfwear or heritage workwear or white collar or, or street, whatever the hell that means, right? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's pejorative to me. But uh, what do you think is behind that? And do you think that there are a segment of men who kind of seek to inhabit a role 
when they get dressed. I, I, I suppose that they do. And maybe it's a little reductive by looking at it that way. I, what I like, what inspires me is when guys know how to kind of combine elements of different cultures and looks and archetypes and the smart ones that can really combine that and bring in elements of each of those archetypes or whatever. I think you know more power to them. I was, I just watched the Elvis movie, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie. And I went down an Elvis Presley rat, uh, uh, rabbit hole, looking at everything I could on, on YouTube. And, and one of the things that I, they talk about with Elvis in particular is that wherever he went, whoever he was listening to or watching, and it moved him and he felt something, emotional connection to whatever it is that they were doing, he would incorporate that into his look, into his movements, into his persona. And I think it's withstood the test of time. And I think the more people that do that, like more power to you, that's, that's a fantastic thing. And um, yeah, that's just a long-winded answer <laughs> to your question, but I think it's, it's a cool, cool thing. Yeah. Well, Nick, uh, real basic question here. I mean, what are some of the brands or designers that right now you are following with interest in menswear? <laughs> well, it's such a loaded question. I, you know, for me, it doesn't get any better than Comme des Garçons and everything in the universe of Comme des Garçons, Junior Watanabe, uh, you know, I love also that as a company, they nurture young designers like ERL and Honey Dijon, um, you know, sort of so that they sort of bring new voices into the fold of, of what they're doing. They also own Dover Street Market. So to me, that's the most interesting dynamic retailer going around the world. Um, but I also, you know, I, I also love brands like Brooks Brothers and Uniqlo and J Crew and I'm you know sort of uh, it's inspiring to see that they're all especially Brooks Brothers and uh and J Crew you know bringing in new design talent Michael Bastian and um uh Brandon Bevinzian I can't say his last name um to sort of breathe new life into these old guard companies and I think that's uh that's interesting and I think it's important Musa, really same question. You mentioned Romeo Hunt earlier, uh, who, who is a great example. Any other designers or brands? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the one that stood out this season was Terry Singh. I just, um, I, you know, have, I've always wanted to, <laughs> or, or toy, toy with the idea when I've seen it, of wearing um, a skirt. I always thought that if it's done properly, it's some, so there's some level of genius there. And he's been able to really, and everything, by the way, everything that Nick said. So I'm just gonna like, like his answer with Comme des Garçons and just, you know, been a fan of Comme des Garçons forever. Um, so, um, but, but Terry, you know, I just love the way he constructed things and um, the tailoring the fabrics, um, the pleated skirt. Like I spoke to him and I said, you know, listen, by the way, you know, you're gonna be styling me for some red carpet <laughs> and people will see me in this skirt and I'm gonna rock it. And that's the thing about it is that he just made it seem so accessible for us. 
even men like, you know, that may be a little bit on the fence about it. It just felt really, they looked really comfortable. So once yeah. again, you know, sometimes I pick that one designer or, you know, I love Epperson, by the way. I, I love the deconstructionist. It reminds me a lot of Calm Les Garçons. And I love that he's been doing it for so long and have really been getting his props. Um, so, you know, those two um, really stood out for me, uh, specifically Terry this year. And Apox yeah. is also another one, but I'm, he's a little over. He's amazing and I'm not as adventurous for that. But, um, but yeah, so. Well, it brings up the trend of gender fluid design. Yeah where we have many brands today who aren't really producing an offering that they say, this is for a man, this is for a woman. I do think Terry, despite it being a skirt, um, it, it, it really is designed for a man and looks extremely tailored uh, on a man's body. But um, maybe Eric, just to pivot to you, what do you think of gender fluid design? And do you think that there is, do you, do you feel that it's a trend, i.e. It, it may, you know, kind of peter out, or do you think it's the future? I actually think it's the future. And if had you asked me that question five years ago, I would have pushed back on it. Uh, but now I just feel like it feels right. I'm seeing it done in cool ways. I live in, on the west side of Manhattan in, in um, West Chelsea. So I'm kind of more of a downtown. I, that's what I'm seeing. And I'm I'm looking at Harry Styles. I'm looking at like some of the NBA players, uh, Jordan Clarkson, um, Russell Westbrook, who are wearing you know kilts. Looking at Brad Pitt in Berlin on the on the red carpet, wearing that that linen jacket and skirt with a pair of uh, hiking boots. I'm thinking um, Timothy Chalamet at the Venice Film Festival and the Heider Ackerman halter top, and I'm like, oh, it just looks so of the moment. But I don't think that moment's fleeting. I do think it's, it is going to be here for a while. That's my personal opinion. I'm seeing pearls everywhere, like men in pearl necklaces, um, nail polish, toe polish, eyeliner. And I just, for me, it just feels right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I, I would never do it myself. I couldn't do it myself. I'm just not that cool. But I love seeing young men dressing that way. And even like, I guess Brad Pitt's not so old. He's like 58, but, but I, I think it feels right to me. Nick, let me put the same question to you because I'll be interested to hear your answer. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm happy to wear a skirt and I wear lots of shorts that people think are skirts and, you know, they're usually come to Garçon, but like, I have always been a big believer in that. I mean, to go further to what Eric was saying, there's also, you know, the Bottega cassette bag or whatever they call that, you know, handbag that all these guys are slinging over their shoulders. Like, you know, there, I, I do think that it's maybe trendy at the moment, but I don't think it's going away. And I think that, you know, we're only going to see this kind of keep progressing. And, you know, I, I agree with Eric. I, I'll never forget, like, even six or seven years ago when I was consulting with 4510, you know, there was this idea of uh, wanting to put in a kind of gender fluid department. And I remember, I remember saying, you know, people don't shop like that. Men want to shop in the men, you know, because Jeffrey Kalinsky, actually, when he made Jeffrey in 1999, he actually merchandised all the collections together. So Dries men's and women's were together, you know, it's and so on. 
And he changed it after the first few months and sort of made a men's and a women's area because it wasn't sort of the right time. And I don't know as a retailer that, you know, most department stores are going to do that, but I do think that we are moving in that direction. So I think it's really just about timing. Right. Well, we've got limited time. I want to, I want to stick to trends and um, headwear, hats. You know, we, we, there was a time when a gentleman didn't walk outdoors without a hat on. And we have seen the ebb and flow of hats other than the ubiquitous baseball cap, which seemingly is an American just sort of standard, right? Um, but I want to ask about hats because are there ways in which the baseball cap, or I'll say the cap, can be integrated into a, uh, a still stylish look and or more traditional hats like the fedora? Um, will they have a life or, or are they just this constant ebb and flowing fashion item that don't really represent style. Uh, why don't I start with Eric? Man, I was just at JJ's. Um, do you know he's been JJ's on Fifth Avenue near the Empire State Building? Yep. And Musa, you would have died. You, I mean, they, the, the, the gentlemen that were in there shopping, I was so inspired by them. The fedoras, I'm like a newsboy. I kind of like a flat cap. I've always, I've always liked the, uh, the flat newsboy cap. And then beanies, you know, as soon as it's the temperature dips below, I guess, 50, I'm in a beanie all the time. So those are my, my go-to. But um, no, I think the hats are here to stay. I don't think anything's, I don't think they're in jeopardy of going anywhere. Musa, how about you? I mean, I'm on. Oh, yeah, You're and I, listen, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm bombarded with hats in Harlem. You cannot, you cannot not have a fedora in your wardrobe. Like every every guy I know has several fedoras and they look fantastic, by the way. And, you know, I've never been, and I have a few myself, um, shout out to Flame Keepers Hat Club. And, you know, um, the baseball cap, you know, hip hop has really kind of brought that into fashion for many years now. And I don't see it really going anywhere. Um, they might do some embellishments on it. They might play around with, you know, maybe the size of it or the brim, but those elements, and of course, you know, I love a beanie too, by the way, Eric, I'm good. I'm good with the beanie <laughs> in the winter time. So, um, but, you know, I think those elements will always be there. I think a fedora and, um, will always, and a, a baseball cap will always be a part of um, the wardrobe. It just... You know, it's a cool thing to have in your, your collection. And Nick, where do you stand on the sombrero? I'm going to get canceled for saying this. I effing hate baseball caps, period. <laughs> However, I'm a big fan of a bucket hat, especially in the rain. Ooh. And I'm a big fan of um, Nick Fouquet. I think he makes some of the most beautiful. Oh, he's amazing. And he's, so he's from I'm, LA. I'm, he's, yeah, he's amazing. I'm a big fan of hats, but not baseball caps okay i love a bucket bucket hat so you're right <laughs> well i, I think cap. yeah i'm seeing marianne so i think we're about to get the hook marianne do i have time for one more question <laughs> excellent excellent you know i think a lot of what we circle around with this discussion is indirectly confidence mm. you know musa you spoke about the freedom to wear something i think a lot of what dressing and feeling good about it is is building confidence in the man 
which creates almost this feedback loop of people react and respond to that and give you more confidence because they're seeing you in a positive light. Um, are there any tips around that that you can give to our listeners that might help them make one of those um, you know, purchases that they think, oh, that's not for me, I can't pull that off. And why don't we start with you, Musa? I was just gonna say, uh, anyone, anyone listening, get a great jacket, have, find a great tailor, make sure you know your body measurements, they will know your body measurements, right? And always have it fitted for you because when it's fitted for you, wherever you go, you're gonna be, you're not, it's not gonna wear you, right? And those elements that all the gentlemen said, you know, um, Eric and Nick about your color palettes, if you stick to those color palettes, you'll never go wrong. You know, you got to, you know, listen, have a get one of these joints, <laughs> double breasted blue blazer, and you're good. <laughs> Eric? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it's all really all about fit. It's knowing what fits are the most flattering on your, on your body type. And and I know that fits, um, you know, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's thinner, sometimes it's looser, but generally knowing what fits look the best or the most flattering on you, uh, you know, stick with that and having a great tailor on call that you trust, that's, that's key. And Nick, the last word. I think that the single most important part of getting dressed is really the bottom. So if you own a navy cashmere sweater or a navy jacket, you could wear anything you want underneath and you will always look good. You could wear a skirt, you could wear a bathing suit, you could wear a pair of leopard pants, camo, khakis, you know, but the, if you have those two elements on top, the most classic and clean, knock yourself out on the bottom. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Marion, I'll kick it to you. Wow. What a talk. And Douglas, thank you for leading the conversation. Eric, Musa, and Nick, thank you so much, Mad and Amy, for partnering with Fashion Group. Um, this is recorded. Those of you who registered and also Fashion Group members will receive a copy. And thank you. Have a great day. Visit Madison Avenue. Lots of fun. Lots of great trends and walks and information. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Laws of Style with Douglas Hand. For more information, go to our website at www.hballp.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at Hand of the Law. Thank you for tuning in and stay stylish.